This is Nebraska Farmcast from the Extension Farm and Ranch Management Team in the Department of Agricultural Economics at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. I'm Ryan Evans. The value of non-irrigated cropland in the Central Plains region of the U.S. rose between 5 and 10% in the first quarter of this year compared to 2020. That's according to the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City. For more on the reasons behind this and what the outlook for the rest of the year is, I'm joined now by Jim Jansen, an agricultural economist and extension educator here at UNL. He is also a co-author of the annual Nebraska Farm Real Estate Market Report, which publishes data on average land values and cash rental rates by region throughout the state. Hi, Jim. Thanks for having me, Ryan. And so as I mentioned, the Fed has reported that non-irrigated cropland values for the entire Central Plains region have risen on an average between 5 and 10% over the last year. So can you tell us how that compares for the same kind of land statewide here in Nebraska? Yeah, so annually the University of Nebraska-Lincoln tracks different types of land values across the state. Uh, we report on dryland cropland without irrigation potential and dryland cropland with irrigation potential. The state of Nebraska for dryland cropland, according to our 2021 preliminary estimates, follows a very similar um, trend that the Federal Reserve identified for the state with respect or with the state or the central plain states, as the article notes. Um, very similar, so around 5 to 10 percent, depending on what part of the state you're in, and in terms of the percent of increase across the state. The trends that we've seen here uh, would probably follow neighboring states such as that are in the western Corn Belt, South Dakota, Kansas, Iowa, Missouri, states of that nature. But uh, yeah, the type of land has a little bit of an influence. We've seen a little bit higher rate of increase for cropland over grazing land, which a lot of people probably wouldn't find very surprising given the dynamics that we're seeing with respect to price increases for their grains, oil seeds, or livestock sectors across the state or the United States as far as that goes. Great. And you've got an article about this on our farm and ranch management website at farm.unl.edu where you identify a few factors that are contributing to this increase in land values across our region. So can you just broadly explain what those areas are and we'll get into each one of them? Yeah, the article that we wrote highlights a couple different things. The first factor would probably be higher commodity prices. We've seen a roughly a doubling, uh, at least for corn and to a lesser extent for soybeans, uh, much higher commodity prices where we're at right now than we were, say, a year ago during the start of the pandemic. We're also seeing... Um, there's been various kinds of disaster assistance for things such as trade uh, for disruption in commodity prices last year. We've seen uh, programs such as the coronavirus food assistance program, uh, disruptions that we had in trade prior to the CFA or prior to the COVID outbreak was the marketing facilitation program. And we've also seen uh, things for small businesses such as the PPP or the Paycheck Protection Program that many producers were eligible to apply for, uh, which was a forgivable loan as long as it was spent on the appropriate expenses. All of these different types of assistance coupled with the very low interest rates we've seen across the United States for long-term debt. I think we noted it in the article that we could uh, 
uh, some of the different advertisements that are out there right now noted farm real estate loans, a 30-year fixed loan for a little less than 4%. All these factors, so low interest rates, disaster assistance, and higher commodity prices have led to some of the dynamics that we're looking, um, people are looking to invest in land. Some may look at it as a hedge against inflation. So if you expect inflation to be occurring in the future, you want to buy a real asset. Real asset might be land, might be machinery, might be a house, whatever it might be. But uh, land historically has been a hedge against inflation, and that's a concern about monetary policy. And when it comes to commodity prices specifically, you write that they are nearing historical highs. Can you speak about how these prices influence land values? Yeah, so people, last time we seen a run-up like this in commodity prices was possibly, uh, I forget the exact period, but you know, late 2011 through 20, maybe early 2013, but especially during 2012, when we had a significant drought in the United States, which definitely influenced Nebraska. And with higher commodity prices, you see people capitalizing it into assets. What we mean by that is you take into account the difference in $3 corn versus $6 corn. And if you expect to raise 200 bushel per acre, that's uh, significantly uh, you know, $6 times 200 bushels, $1,200 an acre in revenue versus $3 times 200 bushels, only 600 So there's definitely some changes in the farm finances producers are facing. And if they do have a yield shortfall, if they don't have irrigation or if it gets extremely dry this summer, recall that we also have crop insurance, would be another, which would be another hedge against um, disastrous effects of drought across the state of Nebraska. But uh, the farm finances funnel into their assets. Some producers may choose to use that to alleviate debt. Others may use that for uh, capitalizing it into new machinery. Uh, we also noted in the article there's um, an analyst that kind of follows these things by the name of Machine Repeat. And if you follow some of his uh, more recent articles he's been putting out, he's been noting several record sales in the last couple of months for different types of equipment, tractors, whatever. And um, so we're seeing a lot of people use those funds if they are in the land industry to either alleviate some of their old debt, extinguish that, or possibly reinvest into newer assets, such as land or machinery or whatever the case might be for their operation. And can you talk more about interest rates, where we've seen those hovering, how they have played a role in the farm real estate market? So there's an inverse relationship between current prevailing interest rates and the cost current prevailing interest rates relative to the value of land. What I mean by that is if, for example, you were interested in purchasing a new car, if you had a set budget per month, so it's say so many hundred dollars per month, if you have to stay in that budget and you can only have a definite period, defined period of time, such as say four years at $300 a month for 48 months, and you want to max out that monthly budget, you can afford to pay more for a car when you have a lower interest rate than you can when you have a higher interest rate. That same effect is happening in the land industry where people are capitalizing 
into um, the people are capitalizing these interest rates when they look at their annual budget or semi-annual, whatever type of payment they might be making on their land. What I mean by that is if you're paying, say, 3.5% interest on a 30-year land loan, your monthly or your semi-annual or annual land payment would be much less than if you had to pay, say, 45 5 or 6.5%. So interest rates, monetary policy that was in play in the United States has been very low interest rates because of COVID. The Federal Reserve has taken the direction of holding interest rates low and to stimulate the economy during the pandemic situation. There's obviously been a concern expressed about different types of inflation, whether for consumer goods, um, machinery, farm inputs, whatever it might be. And one way to combat inflation might be higher interest rates. So outlook, um, short term, I would anticipate that we're probably going to have a little bit lower interest rates. But I think we might, you know, if interest or if inflation holds stable, we might start to see some higher interest rates. And it's not probably too hard uh, to, uh, what do we want to say? It, it's probably not too hard to fathom seeing higher interest rates given that we're at, you know, historical lows in the last whatever number of years. So with these high commodity prices, disaster assistance programs that have uh, both largely worked well to improve the uh, income situation, the liquidity liquidity situation on uh, agricultural operations, what do you see as the the road ahead for farmers and ranchers for the rest of, of the year? Is everything... Coming up roses as, as much as it can be, or, or, or what's ahead? So I think the thing that we face this year, even if you are an irrigated producer, is if we tend to see uh, dry conditions across the state is navigating that for the next six months. What's that mean in terms of your production, your marketing strategies, if you pre-sell some of your grain or whatever that might be taking place? And if you're a livestock producer, what forages can you utilize if you're in a tight situation like a lot of people are? I think navigating that coupled with any types of indemnities or disaster assistance that might come through your crop insurance policy or the Farm Service Agency, things like the Livestock Forage Disaster Program, figuring out how to navigate that and making good decisions are something that we need to be taking a look at, I guess, and trying to figure out how to do the best we can with what we have. That's Jim Jansen, an agricultural economist with the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. And for more on his work with uh, farm real estate values in the state and the region, go to farm.unl.edu. Thanks so much, Jim. This has been Nebraska Farmcast a production of the Extension Farm and Ranch Management Team in the Department of Agricultural Economics at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. For decision-making tools, articles, podcasts, videos, and more, visit us online at farm.unl.edu.